Broadcasting from Doxu Village on Jeju Island, this is The Korea File, a weekly podcast about music, culture, and society from around the peninsula. I'm Andre Goulet. On this episode... Since 2001, the Jeju Forum for Peace and Prosperity has been held with the goal of contributing to world peace and international cooperation in the East Asian sphere. But a closer look at the list of events, workshops, and speakers from last May's forum suggests a conference in search of an identity. As it celebrates its 10th edition in 2015, is the forum just a boutique event for South Korea to expand its influence on the world stage? Has it become a soapbox for neoliberalist economic theory and ideology? I'm joined by Jeju Weekly Editor-in-Chief Darren Southcott to discuss whether or not the forum has stayed true to its roots as a regional peace initiative. Uh, Let's talk about the Jeju Forum. I find this conference really interesting and I want to know more about it. So, it was formerly known as the Jeju Peace Forum. It was held every two years from 2001 to 2010, and since 2011 it's been annual. The event's official aims are to, quote, build common peace and prosperity and to address stability and security issues within the region through international cooperation. So, uh, what do you know about the forum? I've been there for the last three years, um, and I obviously knew about it before then. Um, I think on the one hand it's a good event to have on Jeju because it does... It, it, Jeju provides a platform to talk about certain issues if you go to Jeju Forum you can hear topics such as the <clears throat> um, issues such as uh, East Asian maritime conflict and, and hear lots of different perspectives on that from, from Chinese participants, from Korean participants from Japanese participants you can hear about North, North and South Korean um, diplomatic issues and approaches to peace also you can hear about economic development in Asia and very much a focus on China's rise and that sort of thing. I think that's good that there is somewhere to hear about those issues on so, Jeju. And it kind of creates a safe space to talk about them? Well, that is the idea. I was talking to... Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually spoke to um, someone at the forum and, and it was quite interesting. She was a diplomat, so she had a very different perspective from me. But she said, you know, very important thing about these forums is that they actually provide a space and the conversation gets continued elsewhere. So relationships are built and then you might not see the fruit of that at the forum, but it might continue elsewhere and relationships are built. So it's like a networking event in that sense. We don't see the results there. Um, you know, that can't be quantified. So I, I would say, well, if you can't quantify the results of your event, then then how do you know it's working? Can you just rely on that? I don't think you can, but, you know... That's that's a different perspective. A diplomat has a different perspective. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure you can quantify diplomacy, right? Like, right. <laughs> it's okay, and it's put on by the Jeju Development Institute. Who are the JDI? The Jeju Peace Institute. Okay. Right. Um, they're they're uh, an organization on Jeju, which was I believe they were founded in the same year as Jeju became a peace island. Was that 2006? Um, and they have a center down in Jungmun. And they do a number of peace initiatives. They have scholars who take up residencies there um, and they do research on, on East Asian peace and they, they publish articles on it. Um, and so they're very much, very much focused towards peace in East Asia um, from a Korean perspective. Um, but, and they also run the Jeju Peace Forum, which is their, kind, their, their flagship event as well. Um, so, so here's the marquee from this year. The 2015 edition of the forum included 
two former Australian Prime Ministers, Labour's Julia Gillard and Conservative John Howard, former German Social Democratic Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder, mm-hmm. former Japanese Prime Minister Yasuo Fukada. But, you know, the forum, like, boasts all mm-hmm. these supposed big names. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of wondering how much substance they have. I think the biggest problem with all of those is the, the prefix former. <laughs> I think if you really want to build peace, you need to do it with the decision makers in office. So, but they know that. Mm. I don't think they're, they're under any illusions about the, the difficulty of actually getting Jeju's name out there. And this brings it back to the diplomacy because these people mm. have connections, networks. Mm. Right. They come and they talk to each other. Mm. I think the biggest issue Jeju Forum needs to overcome is the, <laughs> who, who is the sitting president of Korea and why not just Park Geun-hye but previously Im Young-bak also didn't attend mm. only the progressive presidents have actually attended Jeju uh-huh. Forum uh, Kim Dae-jung and Roh Moo-hyun doesn't that speak to a political dissonance in yeah Korea's and I think that's system? I think that's an issue to do with Jeju's identity as an island a rebellious island if you like which right, is not sense. really a friendly place for mm. conservative um, heads of state to visit right. which is, is sad really mm-hmm. because it's not a place you should you, I, I don't believe that that's how presidents should look on Jeju but, mm-hmm. um, and we should mention Park Geun-hye did visit this building just a couple of weeks ago right. So, um, but a lot of people would say well Jeju Forum is more important the Jeju massacre and memorial service is more important right. so um, I think that's the, the, the obstacle that should be overcome first we need to have the president go to Jeju Forum we need to have her or he needs to actually say things that are meaningful in diplomacy currently mm. and actually make steps towards some sort of goal mm. and have that released at the forum or release a declaration at the forum have something that's going to catch the world's attention and and that has to be an issue which is which is actually the world is facing right now mm. um, the problem is that a lot of the things talked about at the forum are by former diplomats, former heads of state, and they're about issues that, that are being kind of refreshed and regurgitated, and, and that's a problem. Issues like, and these were some of the talks given at this year's event, cultural cooperation to overcome East Asian troubles, historical reconciliation and future prospects for a peace community in Northeast Asia. The 70th anniversary of Korea's liberation, strategies for civilian exchanges between two Koreas, cases concerning territorial and maritime issues in East Asia, new challenges and development, and the Asian Financial Market Growth and Development Plan of the Korea Financial Investment Services. So, like, these sound relevant. They sound important. I think the problem here is the diversity of areas that are being discussed. How do you focus a forum which is so broad? How do you think they choose on what topics to focus on? It started as Jeju Peace Forum. I think that you know that's a good focus to have. There's nothing more important than world peace. Mm. If you're serious about achieving that, I mean, it probably it's a very daunting, uh, it's a daunting title to live up to, but it's definitely a worthy, worthy cause. Um, I think it moved towards prosperity as we moved into. You know, people had more of a consciousness of the Asian century mm. and how important Asia was going to be in the world going moving forward. And that was very much spurred by economic development. Uh, some of the papers that came out mm. of this year's forum include New Waves in Asia, 
new trends and future of Asia, new Asia for peace and prosperity, and shaping new regional governance in East Asia, a common vision for mutual benefit and common prosperity. So yeah, how do those titles strike you? I think they can be, that they're a bit vague. Seems trite. Yeah. Like, and I, I think that there needs to be more of a focus on what the forum stands for, what its identity is. So do you think it might have a crisis of identity, like a crisis of, of purpose? I think it's trying to perhaps trying to be too many things to too many people and it could focus more on an issue uh, more focus in on on certain issues perhaps it could become a a, a geo a, a geopolitical forum which looks at diploma, diplomatic issues um, I think you have a, a lot of issues related to um, business and it's also fo- it also functions as um, a business conference as well and it also functions as an area for uh, Jeju's um, business interests as well so you have a very very broad areas and very diverse areas which are which are which struggle to give the forum an identity I think here's a couple of the panel discussions what is it that leads the world with a co-CEO of Dom uh, the uh, Korean online uh, search engine and the CEO of China's Phoenix Media okay and free market and environmentalism why they should love each other, with Friedrich Nomen of the Foundation for Freedom, a German-based neoliberal think tank. So, <laughs> I'm really, like, I guess I'm curious about the nature of influence, power, and, like, discretion at the forum, and how these things are positives for Jeju, let alone regional peace. Mm-hmm. The, the issue that I, as I mentioned already, I think that it's very much, and it said, it spelt it out there, it's about an, a neoliberal vision of uh, development across Asia. Mm. But I think, I think the issue is also that Asia itself is, is still grappling with its identity. So it shouldn't really be a surprise that a forum which attempts to bring the region together also struggles a little bit with its focus. I mean, can, can we realistically get the, the countries of East Asia together to discuss diplomatic issues at an annual forum that, that is any way meaningful at this moment? I'm not sure we can, and that might be why they have also moved towards an economic, financial, you know, uh, um, so as in like outlook. The, as in it was difficult to see any sort of results from having it be a peace forum, so now it turns into just like a general forum for cooperation. It's a lot easier to get results in the business world than right. it is in the diplomatic world so i i spoke to moon Taeyong, who's the president of jpi and he did say that how you can't really imagine peace without common prosperity mm. without working together you know okay. without some sort of integration economic integration which but there is some truth in so that, could well. that could that be perceived as then a shift from the sort of hopeful optimistic ideal ideological perspective of a peace forum to something that kind of reflects the more contemporary korean political fact which is neoliberalism and uh, progress through economic expansion mm. you don't really see many dissenting voices at jeju forum to right. be honest you don't see many alternative visions um, presented for how korea or jeju could move forward which doesn't fit into the current paradigm right um, but how many forums do do serve that function? I'm not sure. I mean, it it, it might not be a realistic um, a realistic goal to really have a, a dissenting uh, platform at the forum, but especially in the environment in Korea right now. So um, I, I think that it is a problem, and I, as I say, I do think it's a problem that Asia faces as it struggles with its identity and as it struggles with 
leading, uh, being economic uh, powerhouse, and how can these countries work together and actually somehow um, work towards the same goals? And I think that's what we see in Jeju Forum as a, in a microcosm. So. Big schmooze fest for influence peddling, or <laughs> boutique events for Korea to expand its stature in the region. Um, I think are, are it combines even, both of those. Are I those think. Are well, I wouldn't say even for Korea. I'd say for Jeju, it's a way of increasing its influence or mm. putting Jeju on a pedestal and um, on the map. And on the map, yeah. Mm. Although I did a news search of articles that came out of Jeju Forum. And it didn't receive any coverage around the world, yeah. so that's a big, that's a big um, stumbling block. It needs to come over if, if no one's writing about it. But that's a big question mark too. How could that be happening with big names and everything else, and it's just not covered? Mm. Because I think the problem is they're not talking about issues which are current. Mm. Which they are talking about current issues, but they're not looking at new solutions to them, or in a relevant way. Perhaps as well, they're not the. the the feeling I get is the issues that are discussed are there are issues, the solutions proposed have already been proposed elsewhere we, we don't see many new groundbreaking proposals and the people who can make the decisions are not there anyway so um, it's not something that's going to gain attention Gerhard Schroeder for example talks a lot about what Korea could do in the event of reunification which is very interesting mm-hmm. but it wasn't news mm-hmm. Why didn't Germany write about their former chancellor coming here to discuss that? Yeah. Uh, perhaps because it's been said before. I mean, lots of people have spoken about the parallels between Germany and Korea. It's interesting to hear. It's great that he came to Jeju to discuss it. But if we're talking about a forum which is going to garner the world's attention, um, I think it needs to look at issues which are more current, which are more cutting, and actually are going to make a difference. So a conference full of like casual speeches signifying nothing no I, I as I say I do think it has a value certainly from a Jeju perspective okay. it is extremely valuable okay um, but I'm just looking at how it could improve and it, to do that it would definitely have to actually look at um, discussing some issues which are, are more sensitive perhaps and the problem is it does discuss some issues which which are on the borderline but the right people are not there to discuss them so it's got a you know there, there are some uh, big areas for improvement there but it's still fairly young and it's still got a, a, a way to improve. Mm. Um, as I said, the biggest thing that would take it onto that next level would be an annual appearance by the sitting head of state. And I think once that happens, you might see some... And the, inf- the influence of the president being there in itself would, would make other people stand up and pay attention and want to attend. Uh, I think if a, a sitting head of state says, well, your own national, your own head of state isn't going... Um, what, what, why should I go? You know, what's the value in me going there? So, um, I think that's the biggest problem. I think that that would that would actually focus the the, the forum a lot on issues mm. as well. Um, so that would be a, a big step forward. I think you've worked in journalism around Asia. Um, I came into Jeju Weekly from a background in. I, I first came to Jeju two thousand and seven. Um, I'd done a personal writing I'd written for Jeju Weekly as well um, and for websites in England and then I got into international development field and worked in international development in Southeast Asia and I suppose my background in writing comes from writing plans and reports 
for development organisations, NGOs. Um, and I worked with the Lao government and the Korean government as well doing these reports. Okay. And I, I've always had a penchant for writing. So when I was on Jeju, I started working with the Jeju Weekly and it just went on from there. Hmm. Actually, I always had a feeling, ever since I was young, I always had a feeling I would like journalism. And when you listen to journalists, none of them studied journalism. Hmm. They, they always had random degrees and then ended up as journalists. Um, especially in the UK, I'm talking about maybe 10 or 20 years ago. Right. But nowadays, everything's so, you know, professionalized mm. that to be a journalist people think you need to study journalism mm. but um, I always had a feeling you know maybe I could end up in that field so I, I still not sure if I think of myself <laughs> as a journalist but um, it's not a surprise because that's an area I, I knew I would like working well so what does your job entail I mean essentially it appears that you're a journalist you're on the masthead of the mm-hmm. magazine mm-hmm. yeah so what what do you do every day day to day interviews researching stories reading the local news um, a lot of it would entail going to events that happen on the island we have international events here we have um, provincial government events we have stories that I want to read, uh, write about um, there's human interest stories for example that I might see a story that I think oh you know that's worth writing about a lot of my stories are also about Jeju culture and heritage uh, I have a personal interest in that, but I also think it's one of the most difficult things for foreigners living here to actually get an understanding of, and I'm not an expert in that area, but at least through the newspaper we can sort of give someone a window mm. into that area. Um, so I think that's very important. And how well. long have you been with the weekly, the Jeju Weekly? I first started writing for them at their inception 2009. That was the first year for the magazine? Yeah. And then uh, when did you become an actual... When did you get the position you hold today? That would be twenty, late 2012. Okay. But that started off as part-time and then it became full-time. So I would say it's been about two years. How has the magazine changed under your watch? Um, it's difficult for me to answer. Perhaps a reader would be better to, to say that. Um, I have to say that our direction is not solely defined by where I would like to take the paper, but... I do think I've, I've tried anyway. I did mention about heritage and culture. and I, Personally, I think that's very important to, to represent Jeju culture and heritage somehow in the paper. So I try to cover that a bit more. I try to cover um, some culture and the arts a bit more in the paper. Um, so I've tried to, to balance that a bit, and I hope that's worked. Certainly something I enjoy doing. Not always a good barometer of... How enjoyable it is for readers. <laughs> uh, what's the circulation? Um, we ha- it, it varies a lot. So we, we basically have a number of outlets around the island. You can pick it up in guest houses. Um, you can pick it up from the, the airport. Um, you can pick it up from the tourism organization offices. It also goes abroad to a number of, um, of the Korean consulates and embassies around the world. Right. Um, so I believe per month it's a couple of thousand or so but I'm not sure exactly what the number is. Also, provincial office buys uh, in bulk and distributes them to schools. Okay. Um, so that we have a number of different avenues uh, of distribution. It's Ochanan, 5,000 won, mm-hmm. uh, cover price. But is your funding primarily from sales or from other sources? It's a mixture. We used to have 
funding from uh, provincial government, but now it's it's more diversified through advertising, through subscriptions, um, and we have the the dreaded advertorials as well, which we have to balance. But it's it's very diverse and it's very that makes it very difficult and very stressful because the, we're always having to balance and find out where funding might come from. Uh, not always me personally that has to do that, but it's definitely a difficult balancing act and it, it makes the office um, at times um, a, a, a pressured environment. But at the same time, it can be an enjoyable environment too. So I, I, I also, we are very blessed not to be as busy as most newspapers. So um, although my hours are quite long, um, I, I'm not too often called out at 2am to write a news flash for the next morning <laughs> Right. so where do you see the magazine going in the future um, one thing I'd like to do a lot more of which I think may be a weak point since I took over has been to represent a bit more of the international community here I tried to do that a bit um, perhaps that international community meaning who? the foreigners that live on Jeju right. Um, I think that's very important. Trying to do that more with um, with some uh, profiles of of individuals that live on the island. Um, we've been doing that a bit more recently, um, but that's something I like to do a bit more. And we do cover a lot of the events that happen here that are very that are more important for the international community than Korean community. For example, supporting um, people. For example, Joey Rossitano's book on shamanism for example that's very important to support foreigners in the arts and culture scene in Jeju who, who, are, who are active and to provide a, a platform for their work as well I think it's important to get more people to know about that but also what I'd like to do more is look at more of the everyday living of foreigners here I think that's very important and perhaps an area that I think we could focus on more where do you see your career going? Do you see yourself with the magazine for some years? At the moment, it's difficult to say. I take it one year at a time. Mm. Um, Jeju is changing so much that anything can happen. So I look at the changes on Jeju and think there's a lot of opportunity here. As, as long as you're in the right place at the right time, a lot could happen. So um, I don't look too far into the future, but I definitely see myself on Jeju for, for a while longer. So let's see what happens there. <laughs> and where do you see the islands going in the future? Um, I'm, I'm worried, to be honest, about where it's going. But at the same time, I do have quite a lot of hope. There's a lot of positive changes happening on Jeju Island. Um, for example, we mentioned about the development. A lot of that's fueled by people moving here. Those people moving here are bringing new ideas, new perspectives. Not always welcome, from my perspective, but... Um, they're bringing a, a different flavour to Jeju in a way. They might be from abroad. Jeju now has 20,000 foreigners living here. I believe when I arrived it was it was less than half that. What are the numbers there? for, for... 20,000. Amongst them I think about 9,500 are um, Korean Chinese. Right. Or, or Chinese, sorry. Right. I'm not sure how that would divide. Yeah. But mo most of them are Korean Chinese. Mm -hmm. So they're ethnic Korean. Mm -hmm. um, but um, on top of that, then the next largest of Vietnamese um, and then it sort of goes down right. Southeast Asian but in terms of um, what we might call the, the Western population it's a lot lower yeah. <laughs> um, so 
it's diversifying though that's a big difference in a, in just a few years 20,000 here and i believe in terms of percentage increase jeju's the highest one of the highest in the country for its year on year percentage increase in its international population so that's making a, a big difference and i wasn't just talking about international incomers also people from the mainland who who are coming here because they're coming for a reason they're coming to settle down they're coming to enjoy the their their free time really people are coming here to retire mm. or they're coming here they've made their money outside and they're coming here to spend it um, or or just to enjoy a slower pace of life so in that that sort of in, infusing the arts and culture scene here as well and you're seeing a lot of guest house stroke galleries opening up which is is giving a different vibe to areas on Jeju so mm. i welcome that change a lot um but you know that doesn't come alone doesn't come by itself at the same time you have apartment blocks rising everywhere because people need somewhere to live not everyone can live in a lovely quaint guest house <laughs> um in in one of Jeju's lovely villages so you know you you're having a sort of twin twin development strands there's very much the individual who comes here for arts and culture to slow down to enjoy Jeju for what it is and they they're very much involved in the local culture as well very much adopt a Jeju perspective i think on on conservation and on Jeju culture um and then you have other sort of more more fast fast track development that's mm. going on which is much more business and much more construction oriented um and that's a very different approach um so it just depends where the for- where is the fork in the road have we passed it are we too is it too late to turn back i'm not sure i think there is still a chance to save jeju <laughs> um but you have to be optimistic you're a parent yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm yeah i don't want to tell you it's too late because then what future has my daughter got so definitely but i honestly i i do think there's a lot to do and a lot a lot of potential on jeju and i always think you know if it does become singapore it will still be a beautiful singapore <laughs> <laughs> Darren Southcott is the editor of the Jeju Weekly magazine thank you for speaking with the creative thank Thanks. you so much for having me That's the Korea file for this week. New episodes of the Korea file are up every Wednesday on iTunes and Stitcher. As a feature contributor at eslrok.com, koreafm.net, koreabridge.net, and blogtalkradio.org. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at the Korea file. On next week's episode, Seoul Experimental Lo-Fi Punk Pop Pioneers Nice Legs live in Jeju City. From Duxu Village on Jeju Island, I'm Andre Goulet.